This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. Before uh, founding the Church of the Apostles, I had traveled overseas a great deal, probably more than my family would have liked or I would have liked. When I traveled, I, I deeply missed my wife and children. But one of the things that eased the pain of separation, one of the things that eased the pain of loneliness, was the very thought of seeing the joyful faces again. It was the thought of the joyous reunion. It was the thought of closeness again, the thought of hugs and kisses, and the thought of being with my wife and children for an extended period of time before I get going again. And the thought of catching up on all the things that I've missed, uh, both good and bad and joyous and saddest and, and successes and failures and the whole package. And then, of course, a little while later will be another trip, and I would go through the same emotions once again. I think anybody who had experienced separation and, and reunion of loved ones understand exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly those emotions, and you've experienced them. And when I began to think about heaven and the truth about heaven, there's one thing that kept going through my mind. I found myself focusing not on the streets of gold and the pearly gates and all these symbols that we have in the Scripture, but I found myself focusing more on the joy of seeing the face of God. I asked several people this week, What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about heaven? I'm not going to ask you that now, but I asked several people, and everybody gave a different answer. To be truthful, nobody answered what gave me the answer that I really was looking for. (laughs) Because in reality, what makes heaven to be heaven is the joy of physically seeing the face of God. It's the joy of worshiping Him in person. It's the joy of adoring Him in person. It's the joy of being physically in the presence of Jehovah. For me, that's what heaven is all about. I want you to hear me right on this one. Jesus is what makes heaven to be heaven. All of the other things are fine, they're great, we all look forward to them, but without Jesus it would not be heaven. For me, at least in this message, I want to convey to you that the most important thing about heaven is beholding Him face to face. Psalm 63, he said, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, the thought of seeing the face of God truthfully exhilarates me. The thought of seeing the face of God motivates me. The thought of seeing the face of God ignites my passion. The thought of seeing the face of God energizes me to work harder for Him. The thought of seeing the face of God fulfills me completely. The thought of seeing the face of God empowers me in all that I do for Him. 
And I want you to hear me right, please, because the thought of the seeing the face of God, it should comfort us when we grieve. It should heal us when we are sick. The thought of seeing the face of God should help us rejoice even in the midst of the disappointments in life. The thought of seeing the face of God ought to lift us up even when we are in the dumps of life. The thought of seeing the face of God should encourage us to keep on keeping on even when keeping on is hard. That's what heaven is all about. The truth about heaven is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And seeing the face of God tells me two things, basically. And that's what I want to share with you today. It's going to be a thrilling sight, and it's going to be a fulfilling sight. How is it going to be a thrilling sight? Listen carefully. Seeing the face of God, probably, and I think I'm safe in saying this, is not on the top of the wish list of most people. (laughs) I may even dare say it's not on the top list of the wish list of most believers. There are some people who are actually afraid of God. There are some people who are ambivalent about God. There are some people who hate God. But when a child of God contemplates the awesomeness of experiencing this thrilling experience of seeing the face of God, we would realize that it should be our greatest inspiration that it should be what we live for in this life, that it should be our ultimate goal in every decision that we make, that it should be the very ultimate goal of every business deal that you strike, it should be the ultimate goal of every sacrifice that you make, it should be the ultimate goal of every plan that you embark upon. I'm going to give you an example to understand how awesome that site is and a new future is and our destiny is. In the the Old Testament, the folks in the Old Testament couldn't even dream of thinking, of seeing the face of God, even symbolically in the Holy of Holies. They knew God was not in that location. They knew that God physically could not be contained in that Holy of Holies, in that room, let alone see Him face to face, that was unthinkable for them. And therefore, only the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies. He's the only one who could get there. And then it was once a year. But that wasn't all. They had to wear a bell to ring all the time, and then they had a rope in his ankle. Why? Because as long as that bell is ringing and they can hear it, they know that he's alive. Because if he dropped dead in the Holy of Holies, which could possibly happen, they know that they could not get there, not even the priests. So the rope was there so in order to pull him out, back out of the Holy of Holies. I want you to think of all of this. Just think with me. (laughs) No one dared to even think about entering into the Holy of Holies, which is a symbolic of the presence of God. When Moses said to God, reveal to me your glory, show me your glory, Here's what God said to him in Exodus 33. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you, but you cannot see my face, for no one might see my face and live. And when the glory of God passed 
Moses was hidden in the cliff of the rock, and the hand of God hid him there until the glory of God passed, and he was able to see the back of God, but not the face of God. And thus Moses, the great man of God, could not even see the face of God. I hope you can understand a little bit of my excitement, okay? Even if you don't get it. (laughs) You see, seeing the face of God was so unthinkable. And that is why in Revelation 22, 4, when it says, we shall see His face, is an awesome thing. It's an incredible privilege, a great honor that even Moses did not get to see. When he says, we shall see His faith, it ought to be the most thrilling thought. It ought to be the most astounding thought. It ought to be the most awesome thought. It ought to be the most magnificent thought. It ought to be the most splendid thought. It ought to be the most incomprehensible thought. And the Bible said in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one shall see God. Without holiness, no one shall see God. What does it mean? It means that only sinless people are able to see the face of God. I can literally hear the wheels going in your mind. I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Michael taking us on a merry-go-round here? (laughs) He just says we're going to see the face of God, and he said only sinless people can see God, which means disqualified all of us, including himself. (laughs) You know, what's going on here? (laughs) What's going on? Only those who have received the righteousness of Jesus will be in heaven to see the face of God. Only those who have acknowledged their sinfulness and repented of their sins and received the forgiveness of Jesus, and therefore the Father is able to see them through the prism of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus, the sinlessness of Jesus, will be able to be and see the face of God in heaven. Only those who have been viewed by God the Father as sinless because He sees them through Christ, will be in heaven. Not on their own righteousness, but His righteousness that He imputed on them. And that is why, I tell you freely and honestly, I ache inside of me when I hear people say, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't love Jesus, people who have never received the forgiveness of Jesus, never repented of their sins, people who have been living for self, people who have lived all their lives in self-worship, people who have lived their lives pursuing their own ambitions. I ache inside when I hear them think that they're going to go to heaven when they die. They think God is just a nice guy who's going to let them in. Now, I want you to think with me about this, okay? Think with me. If heaven is all about Jesus, (laughs) if they don't love Jesus here on earth, they will never be able to stand heaven because it's all about Jesus. I'm going to say more about this in the next message. But to see the face of God will be unspeakable joy. To see the face of God is what will make heaven heaven. And that's what the blood of Jesus Christ is all about. Beloved friends, listen to me. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ is all about. The blood of Jesus Christ, when it was shed on Calvary, when He died on the cross, He purchased all the tickets that can get you to heaven. And He got them in His hand. And you will never be able to get to heaven without one of these tickets. Oh, listen. The devil 
is got some phony tickets. You know how they discovered some phony IDs, some criminals, and they found some, and they look so like the original one? You know how they're always discovering money that looks like the real money was fake? Now, the devil has fake tickets, and he's handing them out to millions of people. He really is. He's handing them out to a lot of people, and they think they're going to heaven. When you and I know that only the ticket that is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ will get you to heaven. The question is, do you have the real ticket? Do you have the real ticket? Well, if you don't, you can today. You can today. It will not only be a thrilling sight, but it's also going to be a fulfilling sight. You know, many of us have unfulfilled dreams. Many of us have unmet expectations. Many of us have experienced disappointment with people. Many of us have experienced betrayal of trust. Many of us have suffered unkept promises by others. Many of us have agonized over missed opportunities in life. But none of that was going to be in heaven. (laughs) None of that is going to be in heaven. When you see the face of God, you will find the fulfillment for all of your longings. Not some of them, all of them. When you see the face of God, you will find complete satisfaction. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they shall see God. Revelation 22, 4 again. Let me repeat that. Here's what John the Revelator said. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Well, some of you might be asking, How are we going to see God's face when the Bible is very clear that God is spirit? How are we going to see the face of God when God is spirit? And it's a good question. I want to answer it. (laughs) You know, when we talk about the face of God or the eyes of God or the hand of God, the finger of God, obviously that's figure of speech. God doesn't have fingers and hand and, and face and eyes like we do. This is a figure of speech. But the one thing that you must never, never, never forget is that in heaven, we will have new spiritual bodies. We may look the same as we do now, but we will have supernatural knowledge, which we don't have now. Not perfect knowledge. Only God will have perfect knowledge. But we're going to have supernatural. We may have eyes that look like our eyes now, But they will have the ability to see what we could never see with our physical eyes. Like Moses' eyes, our physical eyes are shot with sin, they're shot with diseases, and they're shot with death. But our spiritual eyes, they will be able to see what Moses could never see, the face of God. Certainly we're going to see the face of Jesus. Oh, we're going to see Him in His resurrected power. We're going to see Him in His resurrected body. We're going to see Him in His resurrected glory. We're going to see Him in His resurrected splendor. We're going to see Jesus just as John the Revelator saw Jesus. In fact, many years earlier, Job prophesied about this very promise that is to all the believers today. 
Listen to what Job said in 1925. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end I will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I'll see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. The anticipation of seeing the face of God in our resurrected bodies should be the most fulfilling thought of all, should be the most fulfilling experience and hope of all. Every time you see one of God's magnificent creations, the mountains, the sea, the the stars, and and the magnificence of, of the creation of the human body, you need to remind yourself that God's heaven is far greater, is far more magnificent, is far more splendid, is far more superior than what we've got now. But oh, His face is the greatest thing of all. Do you know why heaven is going to be a fulfilling sight? Because in heaven, there will be no deceptions. In heaven, there will be no distortions. There will be no sin to separate us from God and from one another. In heaven, we are going to see each other the way God sees us. Did you know that? That's what's going to happen in heaven. We're going to see each other the way God sees us. We don't do that now. I know we don't. You know we don't. How does God see us? He sees us as a cherished work of His creation. He sees us as His workmanship as precious in His sight. And you say, well, we, what do you mean we don't see each other that way? Well, try to see the person who cuts across in front of you at the parking lot after church that way. <laughs> I'll make you a challenge. Try to see that person as a cherished and precious creation of God, precious child of God. Just think about this. When a husband and wife have a fight with each other, I promise you they don't see each other as precious work of the hand of God. I promise you that. (laughs) But in heaven we will. (laughs) Because we're going to see each other the way God sees us. Seeing the face of God means that all anger will end. That all hatred will cease. That all temptations will be no more. That all diseases will come to an end. That all disappointments will become a divine appointment. That all of the discontentments will turn into complete contentment. Oh, it's a thrilling sight. It is a fulfilling sight. You know, many people think, well, when they read about the Garden of Eden, about its splendor, its beauty, they really think that this was the attraction of the Garden of Eden, its splendor and its beauty. That was not the case at all. It is not its splendor. It's not its beauty. It's not its wonder. The attraction of Eden was the presence of God in Eden. Because God walked and talked and fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. And as soon as sin entered in and brought the curse, God's presence ceased. And from that moment on, God demonstrated to His people what it would be like for them to experience God's symbolic presence in the Holy of Holies. But then a few years later, the Shekinah glory of God came from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, and He dwelt among us for a period. Today, we experience what it is like just slightly, just a little bit, 
when the Holy Spirit is present with us, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we experience the comfort of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We experience the joy of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us in times of difficulty. We experience the contentment of the presence of God in us. And all because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. The little bitty thing that you experience now, because of the Holy Spirit, you'll experience it completely in heaven. These are only glimpses of what it means to see the face of God and live with Him forever. Because when we see Jesus face to face, all of the puzzlements of life will be solved. All the painful experiences will be transformed into delight. All of the tears are going to be transformed into oceans of joy. All of the hurts and the disappointments will be transformed into clouds of beauty. But the question is, to everyone who's listening to me, if you die today, are you sure you will be in heaven? That is the question. Somebody asked me not so long ago, I said, how can you be so arrogant that you can be sure? I just, all I say is, I hope so. I said, my beloved friend, I want to tell you something. That's what sets the Christian faith apart from the rest of all the other religions. Because we have the promise of God Himself that when you come surrendering to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, it's not maybe or possibly, but you will be with Him in heaven. And that is the assurance of the faith. In fact, when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, and when you begin your walk with Him right here, you're going to discover that this life is no more than a train ride. You're on a train, and every one of us are going to get off at a station. It may be 30 hours from now, 30 days from now, or 30 years from now, We're all going to get off in that station because once you walk with Jesus, that's the beginning of heaven. Your eternity does not begin when you die. Your eternity begins the day you say yes to Jesus. That's the beginning of your eternity. That's the beginning of eternal life. I was thinking about this, and I thought of a story that I shared many, many years ago that has touched my heart deeply about how a man viewed himself and his life as a preparation for the life to come. Many, many years ago, Charles E. Fuller, the founder of the Fuller Seminary, before that he was a radio evangelist. In fact, he was the first one to be on radio nationwide in the United States. And this believer wrote a letter to Charles E. Fuller. Let me read it to you because it's going to summarize what a Christian life in this world should be. I love the quote from C.S. Lewis. In fact, I memorized it. He said, there's so many people who say that these Christians are so heavenly-minded that they are of no earthly good. The truth is, only those who are heavenly-minded are of any earthly good. (laughs) Let me read to you that letter. Here's what the man said. He said, I'm very interested in heaven because I have held clear title to a property there for 55 years. He said, I didn't buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It is not vacant 
For over half a century, I have been sending materials out of which the builder of the universe has been building a house for me, which will never need to be remodeled or repaired. And a lot of you are going to say amen to that. It will suit me perfectly. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for they are resting on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy, and flood cannot wash it away. That man understood that this life is mere preparation for the life to come. That everything you do here is hinging about what you're going to see there. And that what you want to build in heaven starts here at this moment in your life. Seeing the face of God, yes, going to be a greatly thrilling and fulfilling experience. But also the Bible tells us they're going to be believers there. They're going to have their heads hanging low. They will not receive any rewards. For even though they may believe in Jesus Christ, they may be saved eternally. They spent this life not for Him. My cry, my prayer, my plea, everybody who's listening to me, would say, Lord Jesus, I want to begin this life to live for you so that in eternity I would hear those wonderful, magnificent words, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, what an honor and what a privilege that we often forget and forfeit at times because of our fickle memories. When we get so bogged down with the problems of this world, we get so bogged down with the events of life, we get so bogged down with the needs, we get so bogged down with all the things that demand our attention, that we forget that we are sojourners, that we are travelers, that we are going home to glory and be with you and see you face to face. May this thought today not just be remembered for a few hours or a few days, but forever until we see you face to face in Jesus' name. Amen.